0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined by Jenny Wise, as always. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we are very excited to have in studio, for the first time ever, our colleague in our San Francisco office, Andrew Hogan. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Hello. So we wanted to talk to you about hiring experienced design providers, particularly the fear many of our clients have about hiring them. And by the end of this episode, Andrew, no pressure, we want you to get our clients past that fear, overcoming that fear uh, and feeling comfortable with hiring experienced design providers. you think we can get there in 15 minutes. Challenge accepted. Excellent. I like your style. Let's level set here. What is an experienced designer?
1: An experienced design provider is a company that offers expert design services. So think in terms of you know things like sketching, but also qualitative research, prototyping, company you'd hire to help you with human-centered design practices. So IDEO, Frog, those are some of the famous ones. You also have others like uh, um, Publicis Sapient, which, of course, is a combination of Sapient and um, Razorfish, Punchcut, Fantasy. Thank you. Mm
2: And so we know that there's a big demand amongst clients for these types of providers. A lot of people are putting effort into experience design and soften you need external help if you don't have the internal resources. So it sounds like people should just be excited to, to go forth and work with these providers. So what was the idea or the cause or the reason behind this research, specifically the fear component of it?
1: Yeah, you, you would <laughs> think people would be very excited to get some help, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems like they maybe have been traumatized by past experiences. And um, there's actually a particular conversation that I had where someone told me, you know, it just felt like they never cared about my ideas and it was all about mm. their ideas. And I actually realized, oh, there's some, there's some real underlying things we should talk about here. And that was a big impetus for doing this research that was much more emotion-based than it was sort of, you know, facts and features. If you can have features in a services company, it was about how these companies made their clients feel.
2: But is that because often they're being brought in on a project that's probably pretty critical to business success mm. by a company that doesn't have these resources, so they want this provider to especially feel like a part of the team? Or what do you think it is about this specific type of provider?
1: So it's always some sort of business critical thing that's mm-hmm. happening, you know, and sometimes it's the case where they don't have the skills internally. You know, companies will bring these outside providers in to help them with something that they're not as good at. But it's also sometimes true that you have an internal team that does basically the same work. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so then you have kind of this rivalry and it's actually not to get too far ahead, but there's a great picture of birds fighting that came out of the research that I did where people selected images that expressed how they felt. And these birds fighting essentially described the relationship with the design provider that they'd hired. And if you fear, if you believe that you're going to end up in a relationship where you're going to fight with somebody else and, you know, hook your talons and your beaks into each other, you might be a little hesitant to hire an outside provider.
2: (laughs) It's a good point that you raise that sometimes there are people internally who have a lot of ideas here as well. So this can be viewed as a competitor almost. Good
1: ideas. Like it's not as if, they're, you know, incompetent or don't know what they're doing. They're good ideas. And there's maybe some other challenges that have come up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's a classic one, too, of you'll listen to the external firm telling you largely the same thing that your internal colleague has been telling you for years, but because you don't trust them because they're not the External expert, right. you're not really listening. I can understand why that would breed frustration, you know, for any internal expert, internal experience design resource when the external experience design provider comes in and says largely similar things to what similar. they've been saying.
1: Or tries to undo all of your work without justifying it or acknowledging all the work that you did.
0: So you've got in here in this report some pictures, one of which you've already alluded to, a couple of which I think are even more evocative than the birds fighting. Can you tell us what these pictures are evoking and the genesis of coming up with these images.
1: Yeah, we used a projective research technique to get companies from our customer experience leadership boards to tell us about their relationship with their design providers over time. And I know what projective research is, so no, no, you don't have to tell me. But you know, maybe just in case some
0: of our listeners don't know, could you describe that research method?
1: It's a research technique where participants use images to talk about their feelings, and what they're thinking about, and it's sort of a way of projecting those feelings onto something else, so they don't have have. have to admit that they feel that way. So this research came out of a workshop where we got people together in a room. They went through 150 images from the site Unsplash that we sort of had selected a range from, and they selected images that reflected how they felt about their relationships. So you have things in here like empty stadium seats, where they worried that they were going to be abandoned at the end of the project to just figure it out on their own. We just did all this visioning. We sketched this thing out. We told the executives that it was going to be brilliant. And then they're on their own to actually execute
0: the hard part by the way yeah and um
1: you know let's skip
0: ahead here you've got a picture of a dumpster now, I fire yeah you want to go through all the,
2: pic- all yeah. the yeah, pictures. yeah you want to go through all of them i want to
0: cut to dumpster fire but go dumpster through fire. All- okay. yeah let's go to all of them but let's start let's let's skip from empty stadium seats You've already covered birds fighting and let's do dumpster fire and then we'll get the last two.
1: There is a dumpster on fire. And this was actually a common theme and basically all of the groups working independently. Uh, I heard it oh, no. over and over again across the room. It was basically at any point during this relationship or at some point in, in all of the relationships, there ended up being a dumpster fire of chaos, uncertainty, frustration and, you know, like actual explosions that companies told us that they had to try to figure out how to clean up. Perhaps a meeting with a particular group didn't go very well. Maybe the provider wasn't listening and went off and did their own thing and there wasn't a check-in. So what we really believe this means is that they're afraid of of chaos, of explosions, of unexpected events occurring and that they didn't see coming in the relationship and that they're not prepared for because the relationship wasn't strong enough to sort of see it coming in advance. I want to call our attention to one more. Um, there's an open horse's mouth and a quote from the, the workshop. Um, if you explain the model louder, it helps. And there's this real concern about the arrogance of working with outside providers yeah. and how they'll say, we know better. We know better than your internal team. We know better than you. We know what you need. And I thought that was really well explained and, and articulated through this image of an open horse's mouth.
0: So I kind of get this as an outside provider, that you feel mm-hmm. like you're supposed to have all the answers and be the expert on everything. And that if you give the honest answer in many cases, which is, I don't know, or I have less certainty than maybe you would like me to have, you feel like you're doing a disservice to a client. So I can understand, I'm not excusing it. But can understand why that would creep in for experienced design providers as well, who are brought in in a similar vein to have all the answers and tell us what to do. And it would be sort of the vulnerability you need to get to better outcomes to admit that you don't have all the answers and we're going to discover this together, but you often feel like you're expected to have all the answers.
1: Yeah, I think that's very right. I think that's a great way of of thinking about it. But the best providers don't come across as arrogant, even though they're doing Mm -hmm. the exact same thing, even though they're providing clarity. They're not telling you what to do. They're helping you to discover it and figure it out and telling you maybe some concerns that they have about the direction that you seem to be choosing. There's ways to do it without coming across like an open horse's mouth.
0: Yeah, no, and I love what you're saying there is a good provider is going to help you get to the right answer right. and outcome, not tell you what that is. All right, so we've covered 4. Let's cover the last one.
1: So, um one of the the other fears is failure. You know, this project is a big deal. They brought in an outside firm. They wouldn't be doing this extra work if it wasn't going to be worth it. And there are fears the project won't succeed, that there'll be some sort of technical dependency that won't work out or that you'll just end up kind of working through something, deciding on a direction and then doing nothing with it. Yeah. And so failure and failure to make an impact was a really common theme that we heard throughout the workshop. And, you know, it's not just this high wire act which sort of indicates a failure of more catastrophic means. It's also just discarded objects. They chose pictures of just like broken toys and other things like that that just kind of indicated that this wouldn't ultimately end up mattering because it's all going to be given up in the end and the project will fail for other reasons.
2: Yeah. That one I'm most interested by, I guess, because the other ones, I can understand there's this conflict of interest between internal employees and the provider. Sometimes just working with the provider logistically doesn't Mm -hmm. really go well. Of course, when they leave, you wonder what's going to happen. This one actually seems to speak to something deeper to me, which is, you know, what is the impact of this experience design effort that we are doing? So it's either it's a competency that they're questioning in the provider that they're working with, or... It is questioning whether even exploring this option, or hiring this provider, or trying to do this type of initiative is something that's good for the business. So I'm I'm curious for your take on that. So
1: I think this is less about competency of the provider, Mm -hmm. and I think this is more about the internal pressures that these people are facing Mm -hmm. because. You know, they've convinced people to bring on an outside firm, or someone else has decided to bring on an outside firm. There's a lot of weight behind this project. And I think it's more revealing the pressures that they feel more yeah. than that they think this company is going to let them down. And I think the company letting them down, the outside provider letting them down, fits much more under you know, three, four, and five infighting arrogance or chaos. Right. And the the fear is that there's going to be a dumpster fire. This might all go
0: right. And yet we still, the project, right? And the collaboration with the experienced design provider could all go fine. Right. And we still won't get anything out of it because we're going to shove the work in a desk drawer and never, right. never to be seen again. Right. I always think of that scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark with the giant uh, you know, warehouse of uh, artifacts and it's like we're just stuffing it in the back somewhere and no one's going to ever <laughs> find it. You know. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining us to wallow in pain here. And uh, listeners, we I hope we've filled you with despair. Really oh, no, wait. We've got more. We've got more. So I pull us solutions. out of this. Yeah, bring have, us home. Yeah, okay. We have solutions. It's not just wallowing in pain. I was kidding, listeners. I was kidding. So, uh, Andrew, also in the report highlight with pictures again very visual i love it uh three tactics to alleviate your five fears so in no particular order or in exact order however you'd like to do it andrew tell us about these tactics that can make the partnership work better
1: these pictures and, and tactics were pulled from the exercise that we did in the in the same way these all fit under sort of a where things were going well. They were on the positive side. It was universal that setting a clear direction and being very clear on where things are going through the use of prototypes, visualizations, just agreements workshops, things like that. Those came out in the form of compasses, eyes, telescopes, railroad lines. It's about direction. It's mm-hmm. about clarity. And it's about having this at all points. And the companies that were happiest with their outside design provider had this clarity. And if they didn't, they said that, well, we just ask. We just say, well, yeah. what does this look like? Let's yeah. let's figure that out.
0: That's great. I love that. I'm, I'm reading uh, Brene Brown's latest book right now. And she has this phrase in it she uses that I think is describing exactly what you're getting at here, which is let's paint done. Let's describe explicitly together what the end product we're looking for looks and sounds and feels like, because actually by doing that, we can probably actually reframe this in a way that's more achievable or more in line with what our, our skill set is or whatever it is. Let's have that conversation over and over again, as you said, so that nothing is left unsaid and nothing is mm-hmm. ambiguous because we're, we're working that out together.
1: I don't want to pretend like this is fully unique to an outside provider. This is critical for yeah. every project. Right, it's yes, just right. even more critical when you take on the extra investment, when you do the extra work, to do this work and to yeah. do it and to be clear. Okay, so then
0: I see, looks like the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: I had to get the, the town in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, San Francisco, where I'm, I'm typically based. This wasn't actual image selected, but I will say there were other bridges, just maybe none quite as nice as this one. This just came across as you know clear project milestones get wins on an ongoing basis. Don't try to aim for one huge win at the end. You know, nobody picked a touchdown. They Mm. picked bridges. Mm. Right. And uh, this is about going from one step to the other and seeing a clear line between those things. So it's about pride. It's about relief that, you know, we're not, On the edge of failing here, we're progressing forward and we're working in manageable chunks to be successful.
2: That could also help with the infighting and arrogance too, right? If you're going step by step and everyone is on board and everyone's being heard at each step, it makes the whole process better.
1: Right. And the steps don't have to be, well, they shouldn't be, you know, done, beginning to done. The steps are, you know, we began to, we tested some concepts to, we got our first prototype and out there and we got feedback, you know, those kinds of things. And then the last one, you know, the the previous two were not all that different than just any design project. This last one has just come up time and time again in the, the research. It's not their project. It's not the outside provider's project. It's your project. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. your company's project. You're trying to achieve an outcome. You have to take that ownership. You have to have people internally who can be part of that provider's team and provider people that can be part of your team and all in it together. But at the same time, it's your project. And so if it doesn't work, it's your fault. They're just going to move on to another project. One image that didn't make it in here is that of a dog and its owner. And- I don't know that that's a healthy relationship, but I think that reflects um, people who were happy about how they felt. They felt like this was their company that was helping them to be successful. And maybe also they were trying to show off the cool work that they were doing, too, in the form of, you know, like, I don't know, tricks or, or things like that.
0: So the analogy is that you're responsible for training your dog. So if your dog doesn't know tricks or is poorly behaved, that's your fault, not the dog's fault. Is the dog is the dog the experienced design provider in this analogy help me Andrew
1: <laughs> that is the right interpretation okay. this speaks to both the the greatness and the not so greatness of this projective research technique yeah. uh, which is very worth doing in many situations but the you know the, the hard part is interpreting what's happening here what's going on behind the scenes and so this followed you know a year and a half of solid research on design providers mm-hmm. this was sort of a follow-up to add some color to flesh out the why there's such an emotional response and some some feelings uh, hmm. maybe where there aren't as many feelings about other sorts of technology or services or other things. Yeah. And I, I, I think because there's such an inherent
0: contradiction in all of this, right? That they're the experts. You're their client. They're serving you. But in reality, you're on the hook for their success. This
1: is yeah. your project. And if it succeeds, you will get the gratitude. You, Everyone in your company will think you're great. You should distribute some of that shared. You know, we're all winning (laughs) in this together, but it's very much your project.
0: And if it fails, you can yell at the experienced design provider as much as you want, but you are still going to be accountable and responsible and the finger pointed at you internally. Absolutely. Good. Well, Andrew, nice to have you here in person sharing your Pictures, very evocative, great research technique. So listeners, your, maybe your fear is validated, but some ideas for overcoming them and a nice research technique described. Uh, and I think a, a worthwhile process to go through. If you're having difficulty sort of describing your emotions or how you feel about something, use pictures instead. We post a link to Andrew's report, which has all these visuals in the show notes. And we'll talk to you all on next week's CX cast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast@forster.com. At and remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.